0: hey guys welcome back to another episode of the bill barnwell show i'm bill barnwell today i am talking with lindsey jones of the athletic previewing the four divisional round games but first i want to tell you guys about another podcast that gets into stuff and that is the mina kimes show featuring lenny yes the podcast hosted by espn's mina kimes that brings you the latest news and trends in and around the nfl join mina and her guests including nfl analyst Dominique Foxworth insider and fantasy football host Field Yates, ESPN Radio's Mike Gillick Jr., and yes, even sometimes your friend Bill Barnwell. So if you like X's and O's, analytics, and probably too much dog talk, yes, of course, Lenny is a dog, but give the Mini-Kive Show featuring Lenny a listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Here's Lindsay Jones previewing the four divisional round games. All right. Joining me now here is promised on the Bill Barnwell Show to preview... The divisional round, not just a frequent contributor to this show, not just an excellent writer and podcaster for The Athletic, not just the mother of uh, Twitter pick and station Lena Jones, but a Hall of Fame voter, I believe for the first time this year, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, it was the first time this year. So it was a big week. Um, we, we voted. The meeting was seven and a half hours. on zoom on monday and um yeah everybody will get to find out in a couple weeks like we don't know the answers we you know had a lot of debating and a lot of voting and we'll all learn the the the, who the official class is um on february 10th a
0: A person who survived a seven and a half (laughs) hour zoom call that
1: was short i was preparing that it was going to be Nine hours, maybe longer. Like I had childcare arrangements made in case the meeting wasn't over in time for me to get to daycare to pick up my child at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, we made it. It was it was really interesting. It was an honor to be part of it, and I learned a lot. And, um, and yeah, it was it was it was really it was really great to be a part of. And I can't wait to see who the official class is in a couple of weeks. Be very
0: diplomatic. Lindsay Jones of The Athletic is joining us. Lindsay, what's up?
1: Oh, uh, good. Yeah, I'm excited. This is my favorite week of the year. Really? Um, of the entire NFL calendar. Yes, this is it.
0: More so than Wild Card Weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Wild Card, there's more games, but mm-hmm. there's something There's something really nice about two games each day on Saturday and Sunday. You yeah. can kind of have your morning and But all of the games are usually really good this round. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have any of the seven seeds, (laughs) teams that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. None of those guys are hanging out there anymore. Um, And this year especially, I mean, I think at least a couple of these games are, I mean, really like blockbuster type Mm -hmm. games. Rams, yeah. Bucks. I mean, that absolutely could have been the NFC Championship game. And and Bills Chiefs, I think most of us probably assumed for a lot of the year that Bills Chiefs was going to be the AFC Championship game, and we're getting that here um, on Divisional Round Weekend. So it's it's my favorite weekend. You can really focus on four games. The four mm-hmm. games should be really good. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Let's go.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, let's start with Bills Chiefs, actually, because I feel like that's the – you know that that has the possibility at least in my head to be the most dramatic like you know classic shootout 41 38 kind of game and yet we saw these two teams play earlier this season and it was not pretty i mean it, it, the final score was 38 20 it felt like it was 75 to nothing the bills were just annihilating the chiefs the chiefs couldn't get out of their own way the bills were moving the ball all over the place josh allen was averaging like 12 yards per attempt it was crazy now one game does not prove that the sequel is going to be exactly the same way and we have seen the chiefs beat the bills as recently as last year's afc championship game but lindsay if you start with this game here i mean do you think that the rematch here is likely to be significantly different from the first time these two teams played
1: yeah i think so and look i hope so i hope it's a more competitive game but i think the, the chiefs especially are a far different team. Now than they were back in week five. And if we go back to early October, I mean, we were all worried that the Chiefs were, I mean, I don't know if I ever thought that they wouldn't make the playoffs. I I kind of always thought they would be in that playoff mix, but I had really, really significant concerns about their ability to make another run to the Super Bowl, Mm That they definitely weren't. Playing like the best team in the AFC. And that was when we all had those concerns about, oh, the, the offense is broken. Has mm-hmm. have, has everybody figured out Patrick Mahomes? Is the defense going to be this team's fatal flaw? And mm-hmm. look, their defense was terrible. I mean, it, it, at that point of the year, back yes. at week five, they were on like a historically bad pace. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. Um, they also didn't have a lot of guys that are going to be really important parts of Sunday's game. A lot of those guys weren't playing in that game. Um, Chris Jones, notably. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel Sorensen was playing a lot (laughs) in that game. Um, I mean, there were just a lot of defensive changes that have happened in the time since. So I think this game will be significantly more competitive. Mm. But I will say the Bills, I think, are also playing better at this point in the season than they were back in Week 5.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly. You know, we're going to talk about the Chiefs and how much you think about how they played last week and what that means for them moving forward. But I mean, the Bills, geez, Louise, like people were coming into that game like last week saying, oh, it's going to be cold. They're going to have to be conservative. Josh Allen is the same when it's really cold out. And I mean, Josh Allen was like, like it felt like he had channeled the spirit of Buffalo that had spent 20 years wanting to stick it to bill belichick and the patriots in a playoff game and they finally got to do it here it was like so like just overwhelming how dominant the bills were early in that football game and we saw the bills i mean change a little bit we saw them run the ball more frequently than maybe they had in weeks past we saw josh allen be a more focal point of the running game uh which makes sense i mean in the playoffs you figure okay let's take the shackles off, well, you know, let's not leave anything on the table. If Josh Allen's going to run the ball six times, what's happened have run the ball six times, and he ran for 66 yards in that game. I mean, did you feel like we saw a different Bills team and a different sort of ceiling for the Bills team than you've seen from them maybe over the second half of the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like it, that was there. you know, everything was going right mm-hmm. when – your running game is working, your passing game is working, your quarterback has ascended to a different plane where he just like, it was, I mean, it was unreal and it might be um, unfair to expect that we'll have, we'll see that sort of performance out of Josh Allen again. Mm -hmm. But I think we're seeing him take over games on a routine basis. It, yeah. And it's not just against the Patriots, although he did it twice against the Patriots over the last few weeks, including that game last week, where you just realize like, oh man, this dude is, this dude is ready to um, kind of get into that elite quarterback. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he was already there I mean, he got MVP votes last year, but yeah. To really kind of solidify yourself in that tier, you need to win on the biggest stage. You, you have to carry your team to playoff game playoff victories. And obviously he did that last week against a, a Patriots team that seemed to be a little bit overmatched. I mean, <laughs> Mac Jones was not equipped to get into a, a type of game where he had to score touchdowns in seven straight possessions. No. And there's not a lot of teams that are ready to do or are, are, are able to do that. The Chiefs might be. They weren't in October, but they might be now. I mean, we're, we're seeing them where they have, they still will have these, these stalls will, you know, when they turn the ball over that, you know, that can be frustrating. That was mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems that they had early on in the season, but they can still score really, really quickly. They're still really creative. Um, you know, it's still nearly impossible to cover both Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we've seen the best offensive game out of the chiefs yet. We've seen it out of the Bills. Now we just need to see if the Bills can do it again. And now we need to see if the Chiefs can kind of get to that level that they were at over, you know, in 2019 and through a lot of 2020. Um, now mm-hmm. against a Bills team, that's the, the Bills defense has been playing really, really well. I mean, obviously, we want to talk so much about Josh Allen. But mm-hmm. the other part of the way that the Bills just were that buzz saw going through New England last week was everything that they did on defense to make it impossible for Mac Jones and company to really get anything going.
0: Yeah. I mean, it felt like Mac Jones had to make spectacular plays, which he made a couple of in that game. He was better than I thought he was going to be, but just that, like, you know, he make a couple of great plays and then he'd have that incredible, Micah like, a high interception, yeah. um, you know, where it just be like just a spirit breaker, you know, for the, uh, for the Patriots offense, like they do one good thing and then it would immediately break down afterwards. Yeah. Um, what I will say, though, and I find really fascinating about the Chiefs side of things on offense here, is that we kind of saw both versions of the Chiefs against the Steelers last week. That, the first five possessions of that game, three punts, an interception, and a fumble. I mean, the fumble on the, the Wildcat play where Darrell Williams uh, came in, fumbled. I think T.J. Watt returned it for a touchdown, and I was like, okay, these are the same Chiefs we saw early in 2021 where they're sloppy, they make bad mistakes. They're they're not protecting the football and they're not hitting big plays. Well, funny I should say that because the next six drives turned into touchdowns for the Chiefs. 76 yards, 74 yards, 80 yards, 68 yards, 29 yards, 75 yards, all touchdown drives for Chiefs. And that felt to me a lot like the Chiefs we saw in 2019 in the postseason where it felt like they weren't alive until they got down 10 nothing or 14-0. And then suddenly it was whoop, we are moving forward, we are scoring touchdown after touchdown. So, I mean, Lindsay, do you feel like the way that Chiefs played after that slow start last week is sustainable and something they can do against the Bills here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know we've seen stretches. You know, we we do have a large body of work, yeah. which to judge the Chiefs over the course of not just season, but you know certainly year after year, and they are able to flip that switch um, and slow and flip it really quickly. Um, the problem potentially against the Bills is that if they get off to another slow start, if there is an interception early, if they do lose a fumble early. Mm-hmm. What sort of hole can they dig themselves out of? I mean this yeah. doesn't necessarily feel like the type of matchup where you know you can go down 24 nothing like they did a couple of years ago against mm-hmm. the Texans or even when they fell behind by a couple scores to the Titans a couple of years ago. Um, the bills just seem ready to score at will. And you know, I think the Chief's defense um, has been playing a lot better and they're going to need to play better early to give Mahomes and company, you know, some breathing room in case it does take them. I, you know, I think they're generally really good on their first drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, you know, give Andy Reid a lot of credit here and assume that they'll be able to put together a really good first 15, that there's not going to be this kind of slow start. I mean, everybody seems to be pretty healthy now on the chief's offense. You know, mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, has been practicing fully. Um, Daryl Williams has not been, but, he's a little bit secondary to, to what yeah. they do, but, you know, Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey and their whole offensive line. And, you know, they're getting more contributions out of their third and fourth receivers than they had been earlier in the year. So, you know, this is really the time that the chiefs need to put together that perfect offensive performance. And they can't afford to have that sort of early game, early game dip that they've, that they had too often this season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, the bills could take an early lead in that game. Wouldn't be out of the question. But I think the difference between the Bills and maybe that Texas team a couple of years ago is that the Texans weren't able to sustain what they were doing in offense. They had the fake punt, they slowed down, they made mistakes. The Bills, I mean, they can get going early and then just keep going. It's not like they're going to suddenly stop because they had a couple hot drives to start the game. So um, I I think this is going to be a really tough matchup for the Chiefs offense. The one thing I would say is that I believe the numbers bear this out and I could be wrong. I feel like the Chiefs are much better on defense at home than they are on the road, and even though the Bills did beat the Chiefs this year, the Bills stumped a little bit. They lost to the Jags. Yeah. I mean, they they ended up forced, you know, ended with the lower seeds. So they're going to be playing in Kansas City here, and I feel like that's the reason I lean ever so slightly towards the Chiefs here.
1: Yeah, and I and I absolutely think that's fair. You know, I think we've seen both of these teams like lay eggs this season. Yes, that, for sure. That Bills Jags game is going to, you know, when we look back when this season is all over when we look back at 2021 it's going to be this like glaring what the heck happened on that day type Mm -hmm. of moment but it was kind of a reminder that just like any quarterback or just like any team really um if a pass rush is feeling it and the pass rush is hitting over and over and over Josh Allen can get flustered and Mm -hmm. he, he can have a really bad day so is this the type of is Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. Are they ready to have that type of game? Can they consistently get, you know, that sort of pressure and fluster Josh Allen while there's, you know, good coverage on the back end? I, you know, I don't know. Um, It's crazy to think like, can the chiefs replicate what the bills or what the Jags did? I mean, (laughs) he wants to replicate anything that the Jags did this year, but um, you know, but I don't, you know, I don't think there's some giant secret out there of like what you need to do Mm -hmm. to beat. Josh Allen, he just right now feels like he's playing on this different level and ready to just run dudes over and throw deep bombs, and it just it just feels like he's on this kind of um, path where he's ready to like just he's ready to get to a Super Bowl. And I do feel like there were a lot of moments last season, Mm -hmm. you know, even heading into the AFC Championship game where. That Bills team felt like they were maybe kind of still a year away. They were kind of like the Chiefs were during Patrick Mahomes' breakout season when mm-hmm. they ended up losing to the Patriots where, you know, you saw this quarterback who was you know, coming into his own game after game after game and ready to take games over. But like, mm-hmm. just as a team, they weren't quite all the way there. And, you know, the Bills had their dips this year, but they feel to me like they're that team that's ready to, to make it a jump.
0: So you're picking the Bills here.
1: I think so. Um, spoiler alert: my child, who is way better at picking games than I am, is picking the Chiefs. So i um, will take that for take that for what it's worth.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no. Competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8SAVE. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a Jets pizza location near you. Again, try jet Signature Eight Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8SAVE. Jets pizza, better because it has to be. All right. So, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil Lena's picks. But I, I think the Bills are a totally vile pick here. I, I would not be shocked in the slightest if the Bills won. I'm going to side with your uh, <laughs> with, with your very wise daughter. That's
1: probably smart. It, it's a really dumb thing to bet against
0: Patrick Mahomes. But it's also kind of dumb to bet against Josh Allen. Like it, it's it, it. This is going to be, I think, a really fun game. I think we're going to get maybe a classic here, and I think that'd be really cool. God, I, um, hope
1: so. I hope so.
0: Last On the other side of, of the weekend. AFC, yes, exactly. Like it's not going to be like this week where it was like the, the last game of the weekend was done by halftime. We're all like, okay, can we go to sleep early here? Like do we have to keep watching this game. Um, the first game of the weekend though is Bengals and Titans. A team that I matchup I don't think people were expecting before the year, the Bengals, the winners of the AFC North Tennessee, the top seed in the AFC South. And of course, I think there's a lot of skeptics of Tennessee. I I know we've seen them put up some stinkers. They they also lost to the Jaguars. Um, A weird feat for the top, top, uh, the the, two of the four division winners here in the AFC. But Tennessee, of course, it looks like they're getting back Derrick Henry. Looks like they're going to have the full complement of, of their big three with Julio Jones, AJ Brown and Derek Henry returning from his foot injury. Um, if we're assuming Henry is back, which as we record this, I think it is still up in the air. I mean, Lindsay, do you think this is a drastically different Tennessee team from the team we've seen over the second half of the year without Henry?
1: Well, I mean, he he, cha- he just makes everything that they do better. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they've still wanted to run the ball. I think they've still wanted to, you know, use some play action because, that's really what Ryan Tannehill does best when you have Derek Henry, who's one of the, you know, the very elite running backs in this league. And it's just wild mm-hmm. to look at like the, the 2021 rushing stats and see that Derek Henry is still right near the top, you know, he's <laughs> like in the top five, I think. Um, and he missed all of those games. It's just, you know, he, he just makes everything that they do a mm-hmm. lot easier and it completely changes what the Bengals are going to have to do defensively when, you know that you have to count for Derrick Henry on every play, and he hasn't officially been activated yet. Um, but he has practiced; it's certainly trending that way. It's you know, it's just kind of a procedural move, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's practiced in full and those sorts of things. So I believe the deadline is you know, twenty-four hours. Um, so it should be like Friday afternoon, I think, is when they have to officially activate him off of injured reserve. But it's certainly trending that way. I know the Bengals are. Preparing as if they're going to have to face him, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's just that they're the Titans are are going to have Derrick Henry back, or assuming they're going to have Derrick Henry back, it's, it's what you mentioned that they they also are going to have you know Julio Jones and AJ Brown and I need to, I would need to pull up the exact number of snap counts here, but you know I don't think those three guys had that much time on the field no. together this year. I
0: I had it in my column somewhere. I think it was like one fifty ish.
1: That's not a lot
0: that's no, like no. Three full games
1: worth or so. I mean, that's not, yeah. that that's really not a lot. So, you know, there we're finally now here in mid January, going to see the Titans offense that the Titans wish they would have had all year that when they mm-hmm. made that trade for Julio Jones last off season, uh, this is kind of what the best version of the Titans is going to yeah. be. And You know, that's good because there there were times this year where they weren't, where they weren't great. And, you know, you you said skeptics of the Titans. I certainly have been one of them on the athletic football show. I apologized. I, we (laughs) we went back over some of our, our bad takes and I I apologized for writing the Titans off over and over and over. Um, But here they are. I mean, I think they just deserve a ton of credit for the resilience that they've shown this year and, you know, winning the games that they had to win when it counted. And. Mm -hmm. Yes, they lost to the Jags and
0: they lost to the Jets. Jets. Is- oh, sorry, did they lose to the Jags? No, they they beat they the They lost Jags, to the I Texans. Think.
1: Excuse me. They lost to the Texans they, and they lost yes. to the Jets.
0: They lost to the Jets and the Texans. They beat the Jaguars twice. So, yeah, I mean, basically, there's three like embarrassing teams still to two, And Tennessee beat one of them twice <laughs> and lost to the other two. It, it's like, there's such a weird if team to figure really out. Happen. Right, because like the first half of their season, they have Henry. They didn't have Julio for much of that. I think AJ Brown was hurt for a little bit of his as well. Like Taylor the one, I think, was missing for a time, but Dupree was hurt. And yet, like, yes, they did lose to the Jets. They lost to the Cardinals, but they beat the Colts. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Colts again. They beat the Rams. They beat the Saints. Like, they're beating these legit teams in impressive fashion. And yes, the Bills game came down to uh, a a fourth down stuff. Like, but but like they blew out the chiefs they, they blew really the hell out
1: of the chiefs i mean that was the
0: yeah. rock bottom moment for the chiefs this year yes 100% and like we know what their ceiling is like their ceiling is not just competing with the best teams in football it is manhandling the best teams in football and so i i i guess i wonder like do you think this is just a thing where in the second half they were banked up they they knew they were ahead of things, knew the vision was basically locked up. And so they maybe coasted a bit and maybe had some games where they struggled. Or do you think this is a thing where they sort of play up to their competition and when they know, Hey, the, the, the spotlight's on us, we know we have a big game. We know we have tough competition. We know that people kind of maybe don't believe in us the same way they believe in another team. Like, do you think that plays up for them? Like, like what do you think is the Sort of underlying logic behind how this team has performed over the course of the 2020 season, 2020 yeah. season
1: I should say. yeah i mean i think the injury stuff is real and the lineup mm-hmm. changes that they've had to go through i mean they they had to play more players you know on on their roster this year because mm-hmm. of injuries i mean they'd injuries it. it wasn't just those big three offensive guys that dealt with injuries it was up and down their offensive line it was across most of their defensive lineup as well, that they were, um, they were dealing with a lot of injuries and they still are, you know, having some of that. I mean, I think they've gotten healthy on defense right now too. It looks like Jack rabbit um, Jenkins is going to play. Um, you know, mm-hmm. He had been, he had been kind of the guy you were watching. They did lose a couple guys, you know, um, Caleb Farley tore his ACL, yep. you know, he, and he was kind of, he was really coming on. He was having a really nice, kind of a nice find there, but mm-hmm. It was up and down their roster. So I think that was a big part of it, that they just had so much change throughout the course of the year. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I'm sure they're playing with that giant chip. I mean, has there been when was the last time there was a number one seed that, you know, probably so roundly were criticized for being the number one seed. I mean, I think just the way that we've already talked about this, the games on this podcast, I think we would all, you know, every single power rankings that's out there has the Chiefs and the Bills as the top two Mm -hmm. teams in the AFC. You know, I don't think the Titans were ever, you know, in our our athletic power rankings, I don't think the Titans were ever above maybe they got to number three, but I don't think they ever got that high. I don't think they were ever above both of those other two teams Mm -hmm. in the conference. So, you know, but I just think that they've, they've been able to get here because they're so well coached. Um, Mm -hmm. Mike Vrabel just has such a good handle on who his team is, what they need. Um, He's Mm -hmm. maybe the best like in game coach right now in terms of like situational football and being able to Mm -hmm. manipulate the clock and just knowing exactly, you know, the right buttons to push at the right time. Um, And they've just, I think their team, his team has really, really responded to that. And, um, we'll see what that means um, on Sunday because they're now playing a Bengals team that kind of just has one of those little, like, there's just something, there's just something special about Mm -hmm. the Bengals right now. And I think Zach Taylor has a really good pulse for what Joe Burrow can do and needs to do. I think he's really Mm -hmm. empowered Joe Burrow to be aggressive. Um, And there's just something he has it right. And he just has that, that thing where he's it's not on like the Josh Allen taking over games level right now, because Josh Allen is doing so much of it with his legs, but Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow just has that like big game thing. It feels that way, right?
0: Like you you feel really confident that Joe Burrow is going to come through in a way that maybe you don't feel about most guys in their really first full season uh, as a pro starter. I mean, Joe Burrow of course last year, towards ACL halfway through the year. I think week 10 suffered, you know, that, that catastrophic danger. He missed the rest of the season. I mean, it sort of felt like they've taken, I, I know that the shackles is the wrong word, but uh, like the train, not the training wheels either, but they they're throwing the ball a lot more over these past few weeks. And you kind of figured, okay, when they played the Ravens, well, like the Ravens were starting Uh, a bunch of JV people in their secondary. So yeah, throw the ball a lot. They worked out well for them. Joe Burrow had like 500 yards or something crazy in that game. But then the Chiefs game next week, it's a shootout. They have Joe Burrow throw the ball a ton. They they beat the Chiefs that game. They get super aggressive, maybe too aggressive even by my standards on fourth down late in that game. But it works out. They win the game. Browns game, everyone takes off. But then last week, we saw them early on. Throw the ball a bunch against the Raiders, get a lead, and then hold on to that lead as the game went on. So it feels like they're they're relying more on Burrow. Like they're not as much of a balanced team and it's to the benefit of that team because I think the strength of that team is their passing attack. I guess the one thing that comes to mind for me, Lindsay, and I don't know if you agree with this, do you feel like from the Bengals perspective, they're playing with house money? Like I think, I don't what this in my column. I think today, if you told the Bengals fan before the year or a Bengals player before the year, hey, you're going to win the AFC North. You're going to win a playoff game. Every single person would have signed up for that. And yet they're one win away from the AFC championship game. Like, like, I, I sort of wonder if, you know, the, for Tennessee, like they have to win, like, this is their chance as the one seed for the Bengals. It kind of feels like if they don't win, well, it's still fine. Cause they had a great season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's something maybe freeing about that. If you're the Bengals, I don't mm. think, I don't think there's any bit of the Bengals that are like, we're just happy to be here. And, mm-hmm. um, because I think they believe that they, des- they deserve to be here and they've been playing they well enough to have earned that. Um, I could get that if, you know, maybe that Bengals fans would kind of feel that way. Cause it does feel like there maybe are a year ahead of schedule that this kind of development process for Burrow, especially given the injury that he had as a rookie and the uncertainties that we all had about him early that, you know, coming into the season, just given, you know, it's really hard to come back off from of an ACL um, yeah. and miss that really critical off-season time going between your first and second season. Um, it does feel like they're ahead of schedule, but it probably is freeing to know that, okay, there's not a ton of pressure on them in this mm-hmm. in this situation. Um, but I don't think they're just like, yeah, who cares what happens? We're just happy to be here. I mean, I think they are, I think they feel like that this is a really special group that they've um, tapped into a really good formula. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, like you said, with that passing game, I mean, they've been ridiculous. I think what Burrow's yeah. averaging like nine point eight yards per attempt and seventy five percent completing seventy five percent of his passes over these last five weeks. I don't think he's even had a pick in mm. those last five games as well. Um, but they have been—they have shown that they can run the ball. Yes. If they need to, they can win different ways. Um, you know, I hope that this is a close game. I mean, like I said, this is my favorite weekend of the year. All of the games usually in this round are pretty competitive. Um, If Mm -hmm. it gets into a, you know, we need one game winning drive and it's Joe Burrow versus Ryan Tannehill, that's going to be really fun. I mean, because Burrow has that clutch clutch thing about him, Mm -hmm. but Derrick Henry is a hell of a closer as well. I mean, how many times have we seen him kind of like win them an overtime game because he just rips off a 60-yard run? Mm. When, when he when he needs to so I'm, I'm excited I mean I think if you would have told me you know in October you know one of the playoff games is going to be Titans Bengals I would have <laughs> probably asked you okay. for like a shot of whatever you were drinking but then um, <laughs> I probably have been like yeah I don't I don't know I'm not that excited about it but mm. yes it's the first game of the weekend it kind of has the worst of the broadcast slots but I think it should be a nice way to kind of kick off the weekend
0: yeah I agree um, you know I feel like it's Like we, we know so much about these teams. Like we, we, we've seen Niners Packers before we've seen Bill's chiefs before Bengals Titans feel like it feels like it's like kind of like a new matchup. Like we're sort of figuring out, okay, what is, what is Joe Burrow's reputation going to be like? Like how much can we trust Tennessee? Even if they win, like, even if Tennessee wins, like, well, how do they win? Do we have more faith in them heading into this possible, you know, AFC championship game against the bills and the chiefs? It feels like there is a, unknown quantity to it that i feel like is interesting in a way that maybe there isn't for some of these other games but who do you think actually pulls this one out
1: yeah um gosh i've i've, I've gone back and forth on this one a lot i've been so skeptical of the titans mm-hmm. like all all year long um god and the bangles just do have that like little special something about them right now so i think i'm going to lean towards the Bengals, which means nice. I'm picking two road road teams mm-hmm. in the playoffs, which seems really dumb of
0: me. I don't think it's dumb. It's not like <laughs> like they're like crazy underdogs. Like what are they? Are they six and a half? No, they're three and a half. They're they're like that's not crazy in the slightest. I the Bills are one and a half point underdogs. The Bengals are three and a half point underdogs. I mean it, it's certainly, you know, I feel like a lot of people feel this way about Tennessee. And, and I think for them, this is a game where they have to prove it. You know, not only win, I think, but win comfortably, prove, hey, we belong on a level with the Bills and the Chiefs. So I think to me, I I think the maybe the emotional bump emotional bump, the emotional burst, I guess, of getting Derrick Henry back. Yeah. I think having that week off helps. Um, I think the Bengals are gonna, you know, they're gonna compete, they're gonna show and, and impress and they're gonna give a good accounting of themselves. But I think Tennessee just this is like too important of a game for them. I think yeah. they pull this one out. It's um, one of those
1: things where if you're picking like, okay, well, which coach do you trust more? I trust, yeah. I trust Mike Rabel more. Which quarterback do you trust more? Well, Ryan Tannehill has more court has put more playoff experience, but Joe Burrow has that. I'm going to destroy you in the fourth quarter of a game <laughs> type of thing. So it's, it's really, yes. I think this is a really, really tough game to pick. So we'll be on opposite sides of both of these games, the AFC games, and we'll, uh, we'll reconvene. <laughs> Sunday night to see how it's all gone. And we'll compare our records too.
0: You yes. can, you can shame <laughs> me on the next episode of uh, the Lena pick show. Um, but we have to talk about the NFC as well. And I mean, two great games, Niners, Packers, Rams, Buccaneers. Let's start with the Saturday game Niners Packers. Uh, of course, a couple of years ago, the Niners just seemed to have the Packers number. The pass rush blew up Aaron Rodgers in the regular season and on the playoff game. I would say really, honestly, the, the Niners have had two of the most impressive running game performances yeah. in the playoffs over the last 12 years or so. And it's both been against the Packers. One was the Colin Kaepernick? Uh, I think he ran for a hundred yards and two touchdowns, maybe See so some kind of crazy numbers in that game, but the Colin Kaepernick game. And then of course, a couple of years ago, the Raheem Mostert four touchdown game, 37, 20 blowout victory. For the Niners, now that was in uh, not Candlestick AT&T Park is that what it's still called? Levi's Levi Stadium, Levi Stadium yes. two years ago,
1: yeah. And I was like, Where, the, where the Giants play? Um, <laughs> yes, I was trying to think, I was like, Did I, I miss? Did I miss remember something? Um, yes, that game was in San Francisco,
0: yes. And this one is in Green Bay at Lambeau. The Packers were the one seed, I mean, they've been so impressive this year, really, only one loss with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, the other two with Jordan Love, or sorry, the other two with Jordan Love, Other no, two with Aaron Rodgers, the Vikings game as well, Vikings and the Saints, two losses with Jordan Love at quarterback, but just such a great team and getting so many pieces back. I mean, David Bakhtiari uh, injured, but expected to play after playing at the end of the season. Um, Jair Alexander possibly coming back, Darius Smith possibly coming back, Whitney Merciless possibly coming back. I mean, it is... Wild to see the Packers, number one, play so well, missing so many key players, and number two, getting so many pieces back after the bye. But, Lindsay, earlier this year, the Niners almost beat the Packers. They were up 28-27 with 37 seconds to go, only to get Aaron Rodgers uh, on a a last-second drive. We know how good the Packers are, but do you think the Niners have the Packers number?
1: I think there's a little bit and the, you know, kind of the the underlying storyline here is always the Kyle Shanahan versus Matt LaFleur, which has taken a lot of twists and turns over the last couple of years from, you know, the best friends who are facing each other, who know each other so well to, you know, now it certainly seems like this is much more like a a rivalry type situation, Mm -hmm. maybe not nearly as friendly, maybe not friendly at all, depending on how deep into the um, NFL gossip. Mel, you want (laughs) to get in there, but you know, seems real frosty compared to how it used to be. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think the Niners certainly had the upper hand in this. I mean, those, you know, the the first two games and what they split, they played four times recently.
0: Niners have won two,
1: the Packers have won two, the Niners won the first two back in. 2019, um, including that, that NFC championship game that you mentioned, um, but, you know, but the Packers have kind of uh, had that edge since, but, you know, the thing, as you mentioned, the, the kryptonite for, for the Packers there had been their run defense. And that is mm-hmm. really what makes the Niners go. And are they going to be any better? Is the, you know, are the, the changes that they've made to their defense since those games, different defensive coordinator Joe Barry mm-hmm. is the guy there now. Um, Devondre Campbell has been, you know, arguably like the best free agent addition anywhere in the league this year. Mm-hmm. I and mean, given the value that they got him and the way that he's played, the difference that he's yeah. kind of made in the center of their defense, um, you know, are they better equipped? You know, but I, I, the Niners know who they are, right? I mean, we know what they want to do, they're gonna just mash the hell out of people. Blocking wise, I mean, Trent Williams and uh, George Kittle, and then they're going to put Debo Samuel all over the place. He's probably going to have what, five, six, seven carries mm-hmm. out of the backfield. I mean, they're just going to do a lot of really interesting, creative stuff and just try to beat the Packers down like they've done before, you'd think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, certainly it feels like that's the formula. And given Jimmy Garoppolo's injuries, it feels like that's the only way they can win. You know, like there's other matchups this weekend where it feels like, okay, you know, uh, the Bills can win a close game with their defense. They can also win a shootout. That is not out of the question. The Niners, it feels like they can't win a game where they need Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball 40 times. It just feels like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make too many mistakes. Packers, too good at forcing takeaways. And the Niners, just too inconsistent throwing the football with a, a admittedly injured Jimmy Garoppolo to make that work. Do you, I, I, this is sort of a, a tough question because it kind of, Hits on a couple different games here. Maybe I'm a little biased or taking some anecdotal evidence and trying to make it something more than it actually is. But I think about the Niners in the 2019 Super Bowl, where Cal Shanahan was conservative early in that game and it cost them later on. I think about the game here in 2021, where they were up. Uh, they scored a touchdown with 37 seconds left. I think it was a Cal check touchdown against the Packers, but they mismanaged a clock late in that game. They did not run clock didn't use their timeouts effectively and left Aaron Rodgers just enough time to lead a game winning drive for a field goal. We saw Kyle Shanahan make some questionable fourth down decisions against the Cowboys last week, but the Cowboys did what the Cowboys did. And so it was a, not exactly the, the sternest stuff uh, and did not matter. But I, I guess I wonder, you know, are you concerned that Kyle Shanahan in terms of his game management is a problem? for these 49ers.
1: There's a lot of evidence there. I mean, I it don't think this is way. something that you're just making up. I think we even, you know, we have a we all like to analyze sideline body language and facial mm-hmm. expressions and look, there's we've we've had a lot of sideline camera shots on on Kyle Shanahan. A part of that is I think might be not fully trusting his quarterback in those mm-hmm. um in those type of moments and
0: Jimmy Garoppolo
1: has routinely reinforced why we shouldn't (laughs) trust him in those situations. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, I would love to get Kyle Shanahan to truly, you know, Mm -hmm. give him some truth serum or, you know, 18 beers at the combine or whatever it is to like truly hear, you know, how he feels, you know, what he truly feels, because I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's ever truly gotten over the end of the super bowl. Um, when he was which one right both of them well starting with it when he was the coordinator for the Falcons the way that game happened and then certainly the end of um, the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and I don't know if there's you know you never want to coach scared and I don't think he necessarily is coaching scared but I do think Mm. there's that thing that's probably always in the back of his mind and you get tight and it changes your decision-making process and if you um it's the opposite of some of these other guys that we've already talked about where if you're mm. Zach Taylor, you can be free at the end of the yes. game and your play calling right now, because you're just going to let Joe Burrow go rip. Yeah. You know, Andy Reid went from being the butt of every single game management joke forever mm. for the entirety of his career. And then he got yep. Patrick Mahomes and he became uh, you know, the best late game coach because They were aggressive and he wasn't scared to call anything. And every single play in his playbook was available to him because Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes made that possible. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan doesn't have that with Garoppolo. He doesn't have that full trust that you can do anything you need with your, your quarterback is going to make the big throws in the key situations. And that, you know, changes your late game play calling. And so in this situation, when we're talking coaching matchups or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Matt, they're, they're, I, I'd give Matt LaFleur the edge here in large part because of what Aaron Rodgers gives him, you know, just like the last time these two teams played and Rodgers needed, what, 37 seconds to drive him in field goal range. And that, that's all he mm-hmm. needed, 37 seconds. Jimmy is not giving you a game-winning drive probably in 37 seconds.
0: No, absolutely not. And it, it just feels like, like I want to pick the 49ers here, but I just think it's too many pieces coming back. It's it, it's too significant of a quarterback difference, especially with Garoppolo injured. You know, if Garoppolo is healthy, not that he is a great quarterback when he's healthy, but at least we know, hey, if the team is running the ball effectively, he can hit some shots off play action. I, I just, I feel like the Packers are just too deep of a team on both sides of the ball. They have too many pieces to contend with. The Niners have, I mean, you know, there is a scenario where Debo and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are just so good that they're irresistible and they overcome things and win this game. But I just think the Packers have so many advantages across the across the board here that I, I just can't imagine those stars playing so well throughout the entire game to make up for the weaknesses on this Niners roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think Debo Samuel is probably my like singular favorite yeah. player in this game. You know, I just because he's he's just so fun to watch and can do so many different things. But the Packers have some pretty good offensive players too, yeah. you know, with the the Rogers, Devontae Adams. I mean, I don't know, probably at least three times a game every time the Packers play, they connect for one of those, or you know, three times they keep connecting for those, like, oh my God, I can't believe that throw, that catch. Mm-hmm. They do, they do that every single week and they're getting good contributions out of Alan Lazard. And I just think, you know, for the Packers too, there's a lot of narrative stuff, legacy type of stuff here that's um, that's going to be at play. And I, I, I think the Packers win this game. I'm picking them here. Even if it was at Levi's Stadium, I still might pick them. Um, you know, as much as I think the, the, the Niners are going to be dangerous and are going to be, mm. you know, if they can play the way that they did in the first half against Dallas last week, they could make this game really interesting. But I just, I think the Packers are have the better roster, better coaching staff right now, and absolutely mm-hmm. the better, quarter, uh, better quarterback.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly I feel like the Packers should be the favorites here, but I think it's not hard to imagine the scenario where the Niners do win this game. It's something that looks yeah. a lot like those 2019 wins where it's just the defensive line is really good. Like we saw against the Cowboys last week and they can run the ball effectively, and we get a big play out of Debo, we get a big play out of the special teams. That is, by the way, that is the weakness for the Packers. They do have a very, very problematic special teams, and it feels like when you come into the postseason and everyone knows your special teams is bad, it feels like there's going to be a game where you're going to have to overcome that. You just don't know which one of it is in advance. And oh, that could be yeah. the game this week.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't trust. And it's every element of their special teams.
0: Yes, they're all you bad. Know?
1: Nobody trusts Mason Crosby. Um, every single time a punt is in the air, you just like hold your breath because you're fully mm-hmm. expecting that. The Packers are going to muff it. Um, yeah, there's you just can't trust any element of their special teams. So, um, yeah, but I, I do think Aaron Rodgers is probably good enough for them to overcome the um, special teams meltdown <laughs> here yes. or there, but um, on a really cold day. And um, I don't think it's supposed to be like historically cold by any means in Green Bay, but it's not going to be pleasant by any means.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not going to be the Cowboys game where it was, you know, 70 degrees and uh, there was <laughs> the worst element you had to deal with was the, the sun. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, Not the problem at 815 on Saturday night in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, Let's finish up here. Rams, Bucks. I'm really excited about this game. I mean, I I feel like we're going to get a lot of answers about these two teams because the Rams, it feels like, you know, last week was the sort of first time. It felt like they were dominant. But you look at their record. I mean, they after losing to the Packers in Week 12, they f- finished by winning five in a row before losing to the Niners in Week 18. We saw basically a perfect game from them. I mean, they dominated the Cardinals from start to finish. Just an absolute ass-kicking of a performance uh, from the Rams. And it, it felt like we sort of came into that game I, a lot of people were wishy-washy about the Rams, even though they had won those five straight games. I felt like people did not see them as really a dominant team. And now it feels like, well, maybe they're getting hot at the right time. Maybe the Niners game, they, they were up for most of the game and, and blew a lead. And that was obviously unfortunate. Um, maybe that was sort of a minor misstep and they're just really playing at a high level. They have a lot of guys who are healthy. Um, of course, the saf- safeties are an issue, but uh, it, it feels like they're, in, in better shape in terms of their health than the Buccaneers where they were already coming into the postseason injured. And then last week, Tristan worse gets hurt early on. Uh, Ryan Jensen gets hurt. The Bucs were still so much better than the Eagles that it didn't matter. But as the game went on, we saw Tom Brady getting pressured. We saw the Bucs unable to build on their early lead. And I, I think this could be a tough matchup given who the Rams have up front in Aaron Donald and Von Miller. I think for me, When I think about how the Rams could win this game, it starts there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we're sitting here recording this on Thursday afternoon, both Ryan Jensen and Tristan Wirfs have not practiced all week. We knew that was going to be the case. I mean, Bruce Arians was pretty clear, I think, at the beginning of the week that neither of those guys would practice. They'd take it right up to kickoff. Um, You know, obviously, we saw Tristan Wirfs try to come back into that game and then had to leave. Ryan Jensen was able to come back in is you know, probably in the in the conversation for, you know, biggest tough guy in the league, who's going to try to play through everything. So, you know, I would imagine that at least Ryan Jensen will give it a really good effort to try to play, but those are, those are significant injuries because those aren't just, you know, good offensive linemen. They are elite, best of the best in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys who were either getting all pro, you know, first team, second team type of all pro guys. So, Um, that's that's a huge deal um and for the rams like you know and it's not even just you know obviously we know how aaron donald will destroy games and aaron donald versus ryan jensen is like it's that's a really 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 fun matchup and it's one of those where you know that both guys probably going to get a personal foul at some point in that game they're going to (laughs) be you know spitting at each other and every it's going to be there they will be going at each other before, during, after the whistle, every single snap. Yes. Um, but so it's, but it's not just Aaron Donald. It's Von Miller has, is doing now what the Rams brought him in to do. He mm-hmm. had a really slow first month or two when he first arrived at the Rams, but now he's really on this tear where I think he has at least a sack in the last four games. He's been really disruptive in the running game. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's had some good games against Tom Brady in the past yes. let's just let's just say that he's um he's had some very memorable performances against Tom Brady in really big stages so um he kind of knows what it takes to face mm-hmm. a Brady team and when Brady gets gets rid of the ball so quickly um Leonard Floyd has been playing really really well on the Rams yep. front he's kind of like the the forgotten guy when we talk about Von Miller and Aaron Donald um but look I was at the game in we was that week three When the Bucks and the Rams played the first time, that game was in LA, and that was also another like that was by far the Rams' best game over the first half of the season. For sure, I remember leaving that game going, "Oh wow, like this is why the Rams traded for Stafford." You know, Mm -hmm. it was it was a near perfect game out of Stafford. They were you know hitting explosive plays. I mean, that was when Deshaun Jackson was still there, and there was like you know a deep Deshaun Jackson touchdown. He like ran out the tunnel, and Sean McVay like chased them out the tunnel. Like, it was, <laughs> they were just kind of being silly. But, um, you know, we, we've seen that they, when they put together a, a mistake-free game, mm-hmm. they're as good as anybody in the NFL. Just that question that's always going to be out there, right, about the Rams is when are we going to get that bad Matthew Stafford game? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to do so much with, like, what did the defense do to force the bad Matthew Stafford game? 'Cause he can just do it on oh, his he own. Sure can. And, you know, is he gonna have an early pick six? Is you know, when is that gonna it just cause it just feels inevitable that he's going to have one of those games, that he's not gonna be right. able to go what, three or four straight games in the postseason, you know, pitching shutouts where it's just hard yeah. to envision that. So that's the thing that I just can't quite get out of my brain is like, when is the bad Matthew Stafford game coming?
0: Right. It feels, and, and honestly, it doesn't have to be a bad game. Like we saw in that, that Niners game, he was like unconscious in the first half, right? Like he was like 13 or 14 in the first half. He was going crazy. And then two interceptions afterwards. And, and that swung the game towards yeah. San Francisco. Um, one, he had the interception in overtime. Then he had one, when was the other interception? Uh, I believe it was in the second half. I could be mistaken. But he was, for a period in that game, he was playing incredible. And we know that can flip. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't take an injury. It does not take a big hit. It does not take some dramatic shift. It could just be Matthew Stafford decides to, he's feeling himself and makes some terrible decisions with the football. So I, you always have to be on watch. I don't think you can ever turn your, Fear off if you're backing the Rams about Matthew Stafford just blowing up. Now, granted, I remember about a decade ago now, Joe Flacco pieced together four great games mm-hmm. and won a Super Bowl. And Matthew Stafford's better than Joe Flacco. I saw Nick Foles piece together the first game was pretty terrible. The Falcons game, he was awful. But the next two games, very good. Nick Foles, two great games, won a Super Bowl. Uh, Matthew Stafford can certainly get hot. I mean, we know Matthew Stafford can be incredible when he's playing good football. So, I don't want to rule it out, but I do think I'm scared. And when you're playing Tom Brady, like Tom Brady, granted, without all of his receivers, Tom Brady without some of his offensive linemen, definitely not Tom Brady at at, at you know peak form, but I still trust Tom Brady more than I trust Matthew Stafford. And that does mean something here.
1: Yeah, just the margin for error is gonna be a lot smaller for sure in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean that's this could have been the NFC championship game. And there's probably a lot of times this season where you, where you thought this could happen. I mean, the, the star potential here, the star quotient super high. I mean, the bucks wide receiver depth has taken a major hit, but Mike Evans is healthy. Like give me Mike Evans snaps in the red zone. Mm One-on-one against Jalen Ramsey. If that's the matchup that we end up seeing a lot. I mean, that is, that is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly. I mean, the, Cornerback has been a major issue for the Bucs all year. It remains an yep. issue at this point of the season. They didn't have an answer for Cooper Cup the first time these two teams played when they were even a little bit healthier at cornerback. Um, they ended up losing, I think, two corners in that game. I don't know mm-hmm. if they have a better answer for Cooper Cup now than they did, and you know, at any other point the season, look, nobody has had an answer for Cooper Cup. I mean, I think if one team had figured it out, everybody would be copying it, but it just yeah. doesn't exist right now. And then the
0: other um, one. The other injury is Andrew Whitworth, who yeah. was injured early in that game, came back, clearly not a normal self. And then after halftime, I believe, got out of there, did not return, has not practiced as we record this. And that's another big injury for, uh, you know, against a Bucks team that we saw in the Super Bowl. Hey, if you lose your best offensive lineman, that might hurt your passing game's efficiency. Matthew Stafford does not need any help to make mistakes, like we said.
1: Yeah, and the in the Bucks pass rushers are getting healthy again. Shaq Barrett is yes. back. Um, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul has m- missed a lot of time this season, but um, you know they should at least have the bodies there that they didn't have through stretches late in the season.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I feel like this is the toughest game to pick of the four for me. Yeah. But who do you pick here?
1: What's What's the line right now?
0: The line is I want to say three. Yeah, it's Bucks by three.
1: Yeah. Um, so sentimentally, there's a little bit of me that, you know, I'd love to see Vaughn kind of go on this, Vaughn Miller go on kind of this, a big playoff run. Um, and the Rams are really fun, really, really, really fun to watch. And I, I think Packers Rams would be a really fun, um, or yeah, Packers Rams would be a really fun NFC championship game, but I have learned my lesson many, many, many times, and I'm not going to pick against Tom Brady. (laughs) i'll go with the bucks here i'll pick a home team finally (laughs) i I guess i'm picking both home teams in the nfc
0: yes two road teams in the afc for you two home teams in the nfc i feel trapped because i picked chiefs rams before this season and then i picked chiefs rams when i did my playoff preview and i was like kind of like leaning towards what i picked previously now i feel totally trapped i feel like the bucks should win this game And I do have more faith in Tom Brady than Matthew Stafford, but I'm telling myself a story where I talk myself into the Rams winning because I'm already priced in from before the year. I just think, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's fair. I mean, I think, I think the Rams are a better team. I think their roster is better. I think they have, you know, the, the better, more elite players, the best of the best. You have the best cornerback in the NFL. You have the best wide receiver this season. You have the best defensive tackle in the league. So I don't think it's crazy to pick against the Rams at all. I think when they play their best football, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. I just can't bring myself to bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> that's, all, that's that's literally the only thing to it. It's just like years and years and years of um, making the mistake of picking against Tom Brady, and then it,
0: it's hundred percent. Like a couple of years ago during the Super Bowl, I picked the Niners to beat the Chiefs, and I was I watched it. And I had to watch that entire game hoping Patrick Mahomes wouldn't do something great. And I felt like a genius for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, I'm like, oh, I'm a big dumb dumb because I picked Jimmy Garoppolo over Patrick Mahomes. I'm never going to make that mistake again. And it kind of feels like, you know, Stafford is better than Garoppolo and Brady, maybe not quite as good as Mahomes was at that peak in that playoff run. But I shouldn't have made that mistake. I should have gone with the really good quarterback. And I, I'd rather pick the better quarterback and be wrong, then pick the worst quarterback and feel stupid and be wrong that way. So sure. I I'm picking the Rams, but I'm not thrilled about it.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, th- this NFC field is really great. Right. I mean, I think the Cowboys, I think it would have been a very worthy team to be in the, this, this divisional round, but I think just about any NFC championship game matchup that we're going to get out of this game or this weekend is going to be, really really good and really fun for next weekend
0: yeah i'm excited these are four really fun games and we're going to be able to watch them all this weekend but Lindsay, please tell the people where they can find out more about your nfl coverage.
1: sure so um get yourself a subscription to the athletic we're always running great deals you can follow me on twitter at by Lindsay h jones and then um, i'm on the athletic football show with robert mays weekly um we this week we went back through all of our um not necessarily like our bad takes, but like the places mm-hmm. that we were wrong and what we can how it can inform our decision making and our takes better into the future. So I apologize yes. for a few things that I was wrong about. Um and uh yeah, so that was our show this week. And um, yeah, at Twitter by Lindsay H. Jones, my daughter's pics Spoiler alert, I Googled how to make a TikTok. So we've got a new <laughs> pick format this week. We're really excited. Um, and uh while you're there, buy some grass cookies.
0: A lot of stuff to plug. A lot I of stuff to recommend. plug, right? I highly recommend all uh, look, of it. Look, not
1: my first time at doing this, right?
0: That's smart. That's smart. You've got to take advantage of the opportunities while you have the chance. But Lindsay Jones, you know it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Thanks
1: so much for having me,
0: Bill. All right. Thanks so much to my friend, Lindsay Jones. Check out her work at The Athletic. Of course, check out her daughter, Lena's Picks, on Twitter each and every week. We have more audio coming next week, heading down to the final few games for the NFL season. It is really going to be a fun weekend. Hope you guys enjoy the games and hope you are doing well. More audio next week.